About a week and a half ago, I received my first year in review email. Um, it was from my Spotify account, which I thought was kind of premature to say, okay, this is what you've listened to this year, and this is the songs, and this is the playlist that you have this year has, like, the most that you've listened to. And... It just seemed kind of early, mid, you know, mid-December to, to say, this is it. So what I did was I put Grandma run, Got Run Over by a Reindeer on every device that I owned and just kept looping it to, to skew their, their odds. No, I didn't really do that. that would, I don't know if it would even work. But there was, they, they also had, I, I, I laughed because it showed me how old and out of touch I really am. Because along with what I listen to and my playlist and my artists and things like that, it showed me what was popular on Spotify this year. And the playlists that were popular on Spotify this year. And most of the people and the playlists and the music that they had, I had no idea who they were. I was like, I got nothing here. Uh, And I just felt kind of old. But the great thing about this time of year, a lot of times, is we have the opportunity to do the, the whole year in review. And for those of you who are of my generation, might remember this guy named Casey Kasem. And he, was, he always had the, the top 40... But then in the end of the year, I think it was like the top 100 songs of the, the previous year, and he had this really cool voice. And when I first time I saw him, I was like, holy cow, he's like a gnome. I, I don't know. He, it, was just, it, it was not what I expected. He's this big, booming voice, and it was like this little, itty-bitty guy. But he always had that, and that was one of those things you always wanted to hear. And what I liked about it was you always had the opportunity. What I realized and what I remembered as I was looking at my Spotify Spotify playlist as well, that there are songs at the beginning of the year, like January and February, that you think, man, I'm going to listen to. This is the greatest song that's ever been written. This is amazing. And, and it's like on repeat, and you, every playlist you have, it's on there. And then somewhere around April or May, you're sick of it, and so you never play it again, and you forget that it was a really good song. And you're like, oh, wait, I remember that. And, and sometimes you look at magazines, because they still print them, I think, and there's the cover of Time and Life, and they have the year in review, and they get the collage of, of all the things that happen, the newsworthy stories, and, and they have uh, you know news stories and, and commercials of the year, the funniest commercials of the year. They have these, these year-end anthologies of what happened, and so often we forget all about what happened in January and February. So it's kind of nice to be able to look back and have, be reminded of those things. And... Uh, Sometimes we need, to, uh, we need to look back not only at commercials and songs and stuff like that, but we need to look back and remember what God has done. And this is a little bit of a departure for me. We're going to do some things that I've, I've not done before on a year-end service. It's the last Sunday of 2020. And it's been a crazy year, and lots of things have happened, and it's been unconventional. And so we're going to 
jump right in with both feet and be unconventional. And, and our, today, I, I couldn't think of anything, and it was during the early service, I was like, oh man, I should have put that Alan Jackson song, Remember When? That would have been perfect to lay that underneath, and we could have had a little title music and the whole nine yards. That was on my playlist, by the way. Um, or one of my playlists. Um, but looking back and being able to see where God has done amazing things in our lives. And way too often we get so busy and we get so consumed with what's happening right in front of us, in the present, that just like those songs that we forgot about, that we loved in January, we forget about come May or June. And so this morning, our Scripture is going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I'll uh, give you a little bit of context. If we were to turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we, we see the Israelites are like living their own lives. They've forgotten God. They're doing nothing. They're not worshiping Him. They're worshiping Baal and, and the Asherah. And, and they're just doing their own thing. And so, God's like, it's time for me to get your attention. And they go to war with the Philistines. And the Philistines beat them up bad. Chapter 4 says they killed 4,000 Israel soldiers, Israelite soldiers. And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't humiliating enough, they beat them so bad that they took the Ark of the Covenant away from the army. They chased them. I'm guessing the people that, I don't know, I'll make an assumption here, the guys that were supposed to be carrying the ark that they carried into the battle, they didn't want to die, and so they dropped the ark and ran, and the Philistines got it. And they took it back to their town, and think about, we now possess the ark of the covenant. This is where the Israelites say their God is. This big, ornate, golden box with poles, and they carry it into their town, and they carry it into their temple, and their God's name was Dagon. And I can only imagine, because I couldn't find a picture of who, what Dagon looked like, but some, por- some part of a, a sculpted wood or, or metal or stone or something like that. And it says they set the Ark of the Covenant right beside Dagon. And then they left. And the next morning when the priest showed up, Dagon was on his face. beneath the Ark of the Covenant. And it says that they picked Dagon up, they wiped him all off, and they set him back next to the Ark of the Covenant. And the next time they come in, Dagon was, again, face down, kneeling to the Ark of the Covenant. And this went on for a while. And here's what happened. The Philistines didn't get it. They thought maybe some punky kids were sneaking in and putting Dagon face down. But it was the supernatural power of God. He was making it known to the Philistines, no, 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 no. There's no other God but me. There's no other God like me. I am the only one. But they just didn't catch it. And so... 
God said, well, we'll ratchet it down a notch. And he tightened things down, and all of a sudden it says, the old men and the young men begin to get tumors, and they begin to die. This is chapters 4, 5, and 6. I'm kind of doing a... And they begin to die, and still, no correlation. We're kind of slow sometimes as human beings, right? And these Philistine men are dying. And then it dawns on somebody, hey... There's a direct correlation between when we brought the Ark of the Covenant into, the, into our town and into our temple of Dagon and when all of this stuff started happening. Now the easy thing to do, the, the, the right thing, or the, the smart thing to do would have been to say, hey, let's just send it back to, to the Israelites, right? That, that's what I would have, of course, that's the decision I would have made. But instead the Philistines said, hey, we need to get rid of this, but we don't want to send it back to the, to the Israelites, so let's do this. Let's act like it's the spoils of war and we'll ship it off to the next town. They treated it like the Stanley Cup. And as soon as it got there, boy, they're celebrating and they're worshiping. And, Woo, we beat the Israelites. And all of a sudden, the young men and the old men begin to get tumors and they begin to die. And it took a little while for somebody to connect the dots. And again, they didn't ship it off back to the Israelites. They said, let's just ship it to the next town. And it worked its way through the Philistine cities. And then the Philistine leaders went, wait a minute, we've got to do something. So they go to their religious leaders and they go, what do we do? This is... People are dying. There's tumors. The old men, the young men, there's no correlation. What do we do? And they said, that's simple. Send it back. Get rid of that thing. If you look back, all of our problems started when you brought that in. You go, wow, this is a really weird way to look. This is just the setting, the context. You've got to stay with me. You don't want to know what this looks like. This is a fun story. And they went, okay, we're going to send it back. And, and the, their, their own religious leader said, well, that's not enough. You need to send an apology offering. We need to do what? We need to send an apology. You're sorry for what we did. Well, what do we need to send? He said, well, I would send five tumors and five rats because that's what brought the... Per- and they need to be gold. I'm still... This, I'm trying to wrap my mind around you know, chapters 4, 5, and 6. What golden tumors look like? I don't know. And golden rats... So the Philistines said, you know what? We're going to call the Israelites. We're going to tell them, you come pick this thing up. We're done with it. We're sorry we beat you up. We're sorry we killed 4,000 of you. You come get it. And God's people were so callous and had forgotten the rules or didn't care about the rules that it was supposed to Use as it encountered the ark, like not touching it, and the respect that it was due. That it says, men opened it up and looked inside. Israelite men, men that should have known better, but men that were not worried about serving the one true God, and they were worried about Baal and Ashereth. It says they peeled the lid off to look inside. 
and it cost 70 of them their lives. And the Israelites went, well, we don't want that in here either because no, we're not worthy of having it. So basically what happened was they took the Ark of the Covenant, they sent it up in the hills and put it in somebody's barn. That's, that's basically what happened. And it sat there for 20 years. Because the nation of Israel was living the life that they wanted to live, not the life that God had called them to live. And they knew it. They were just out of sight, out of mind, we're not going to worry about it. And that's where it leads us up to chapter 7 this morning. And I'm going to read it off of here because I read it out earlier and my glasses are wonky and dirty and I didn't clean them between services. Starting in verse 3, it says, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Asherah. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey Him alone. Then He will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of all of their images of Baal and Asherah and worshipped only the Lord. Then Samuel told them, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord, our God, to, uh, to save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below beth slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshnahan. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help or helper or warrior. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. God, we thank you that even when we rebel, even for the example that is shown here through the Israelite people, that when they chose to go a different direction, God, you still gave them the opportunity to return and to repent, and we thank you for that. We love you, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen. So where we're going to stay this morning is we're going to, to stay right here in verse 12. Because what I realized as I was getting ready for, for this was all of this information, we could have had like a six or eight week series on this, three through, through verse 12. Because we see the Israelites who are far from God. 
They've rejected Him. They're worshiping other things. That'll preach. We could do a whole Sunday there. Then they repent. That'll preach. They offered sacrifices. We'll change what we're doing. God, that'll preach. They fasted. That'll preach. All of these things, they did everything right. And then we see God going, okay, I will honor your prayers. And he reacted. And he changed the tide of the battle. And he, he overcame the defeat that had been almost 21 years ago in the exact very spot. But this morning, I want us to take a look at the fact that Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana, and he named it Ebenezer. Now when I say Ebenezer, most of us, if you're like me, I don't go to 1 Samuel. The first thing that my mind goes to is a Christmas carol, right? Or is that the Christmas? Yeah, Christmas carol. Ebenezer Scrooge. And then, oh, that's, they use that in the second verse of a hymn, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah! But this is where that comes from! Wow! See, what Samuel did was said, here's what I want you to do. We're going to get this big stone and we're going to set it right in a prominent place where everybody travels. This is just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And I want you to sit it there. And we're going to, on the front of it, somebody's going to come out with a hammer and a chisel and we're going to put Ebenezer right on the front. Because I don't want you to forget what God has done. That's good stuff. Because if you're like me, sometimes, and we talked about the the fact that we forget songs or news stories or sporting events that happen in January and February, sometimes God does things for us and we can look back and we see where he's at, but we forget about those things and we get so caught up in the moment. The now that we miss or we forget what God has done in the past. And Samuel goes, I don't want that to happen. I want you to remember this. And so, down this very prominent road, every time you walk past it, you're going to see that stone. And I, I've told you guys before, I like, I like rocks. I like big rocks. I think I've told you, maybe a lot of you have heard the story about the big rock that fell out of the back of the truck, broke the sidewalk, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I like big rocks. But Samuel says, I, I don't want it just to be a rock, but I want you to remember what God did. Because that's important. The victory that he gave us, the forgiveness that we found, all of this whole day, I don't want it to, to be forgotten or to be lost. And so we're going to erect this, we're going to put this stone here. And so they chiseled it out and it says, Ebenezer. But if you were to go back, not only did he put that there so that the the Israelites that were there that day wouldn't forget the story of what God had done. If we were to go back 
to what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11 on how you're supposed to teach your kids about God's faithfulness. When you're standing, when you're sitting, when you're laying down, when you're walking. He said, when you're kids, when you're out for a walk with your kids and you walk by the stone and it catches their attention and it says, what does that say? And you say, Ebenezer, well, what does that mean? And it means, that was, let me tell you a story about the time that we were defeated by the Philistines and we were scared and then we came back to God and God was faithful and just and he forgave us and we were celebrating and then the Philistines showed up again and they were going to destroy us. But God, in a mighty way, made thunder and lightning and confused the Philistines and they ran away and then we whooped them big time. What an amazing story to be able to pass along. And I'm going to do this and I'll see my folks later today and my dad will probably give me the the business. When I was a kid growing up, I, I, the only thing that I have that I can relate to something like that. My dad operated heavy equipment. And so every, every time we'd, we would go someplace in Des Moines and, and you would drive down a street and there was maybe a new building there or something like that, he'd go, I, I dug the footings on that building. And he could tell you like the year or whatever it was that he did, he could tell you when he was there in, in that project. And he would tell you about that. Now as a kid, I didn't appreciate that. And probably as an adult, I don't appreciate that enough. But I also had a conversation yesterday at the, uh, at the food pantry as we were working, and Ken was telling me, I laughed because I was going down this, he was telling me something about his grandpa and something that he had done, and it had just been kind of passed down. And what a great way to impart important things to your family. Samuel says, we're putting a rock here. We're going to put something that, not, not a piece of wood, because wood rots. Yeah, stones weather, but it's much, much better. So I want you to pass this along. I want you to remember. I want your kids to remember. I want them to know. Anybody that might ask, any stranger, anybody, hey, what does that mean? You take the opportunity to tell them about God's faithfulness on this day. I don't want it forgotten about. You see... Looking behind at what God has done helps us find our courage and our hope for what He is going to do in the future. I'll read that again. Looking behind us is what, at what God has done helps us find our, the courage and hope for what He's going to do in the future. Maybe this only speaks to me. I don't know. Maybe y'all are like, no, I jump in with both feet all the time. Whatever God wants, I'm there. Woo! But for me, a lot of times, I've got to look back and see where God has been faithful when he calls me to that next step. When I can look back over my shoulder and I see that stone where he said, this is the next step that I want you to... And he was faithful. And he did what he said, and he took care of me. It may not look anything like I planned. It may have turned out completely different than I ever imagined. 
But for me, it's a place where I can look back over my shoulder and see where God was faithful in the past. And so what I learn and what I know is that He's going to be faithful to what He calls me to in the future. And that gives me the courage to take that next step or the next two or three steps, whatever He's calling me to do. Now as I said earlier, and it's not a surprise to any of you, 2020 has been crazy. Right? Ups and downs, craziness, closed, open. I I honestly believe that we're blessed to live where we live. I, I, I mean that. I talk to other pastors across even our district. And we are blessed to have the freedoms that we have. To have the opportunities that we have. I know that there's probably not a person in this room that hasn't known someone they loved or cared about or a friend or a family friend that they haven't lost somebody this year. I'm guessing. Of some form or fashion. It may have been COVID, it may have not. But somebody special has passed away. And that's hard. The idea of COVID is crazy. If you would have last year on this Sunday said, well, we're gonna, this is what we're going to be doing next year at this time, I would have said, you're nuts. All of those things won't take place. This is all just going to blow over and it's going to be okay. And That's a disease in some other country at that point. You know, it's, it's all going to be good. But yet here we sit. And it's had an impact in our community on people that we love and care about. So I'm going to, this is the part that I always talk, but this is something that I've never done before. And, and it, I'm going to show you some pictures because I believe that even in this crazy year, even this nutty, whacked out 2020. I believe that we have some, some Ebenezer's as a church. I believe that we have some places that we need to set posts or stones so that we can look back and celebrate. And I hesitate, hesitated to do this. I went through a ton of pictures. Some of you, if you, I don't know if you can do this on Facebook because I don't know enough, but some of you would probably feel like I was stalking because I actually went through people's Facebook trying to pull pictures off. If uh, if you're not my friend and I looked at your, and you'd find out some way, I'm not a creeper, I promise. I was looking for pictures. But I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's only so much time. And so we're just going to take a look at a few pictures. And before you switch over, Stephanie, I'm going to say this now before. Some of these might bring a tear to your eye. Did mine. But I believe these are things that we can 
point to and say, God is faithful even in all of the unsettled craziness. All right. Emmett was a special guy. Um, I have come to the conclusion that every church should have a retired pastor in it. I think that should be a bylaw. Because I could have conversations with Emmett that I didn't have with him. Very many people. Because he understood. I learned a lot of things from Emmett. Sometimes I think Faye got frustrated because when I would come in, when she was, they were cleaning, he would see me and he'd come in the office and we would talk and she would continue to vacuum and clean and usually she would come to the door and kind of stand there and wait. But Emmett for me is one of those, and I think for our church, is one of those people that we can look back and go, we lost him this year. But he's one of those people that we can anchor to and see where God is faithful. Who would have thought in March, third Sunday of March, we celebrated with baptisms, baby baptisms, baby dedications. Let's go on to the next slide. We finished that Sunday, a celebration Sunday, having a family meal. Not knowing that the next week we wouldn't be able to meet together. And it would be several months before we actually got to meet back together, all of us in the building. We didn't allow it to stop us. We couldn't have our, we didn't get to have our, uh, our, our Wednesday night services but thanks to Kim and Stephanie and, and Bethany doing the technology side of it, those lessons went up on Facebook. Easter eggs. We weren't able to, to have our Easter egg hunt. Even though the weather would have cooperated this last year. It's the first time since we've been able to, we were actually going to do it that it would have cooperated. So instead, the candy went to the kids instead of them coming to us. A year ago, I, you got, that's joy if you can't see it. I can't tell. It's kind of shadowed on this side. Who would have thought that we were going to have church in the parking lot? Some, we ended up with a radio amplifier and one Sunday it was on the roof and then thankfully Wayne and can let us use their, their flatbed. Let's go to the next one. That's still probably my, that top right is probably my favorite picture that I, I came across in 2020. That was a group of ladies that met together when community was tough to come by. I stuck Bowdens in there because I think that's a loss too. I miss them. I laughed. I told the first service, I still, 
expect my office door to fly open some days when I'm in there working, and Sam come busting in, say about three sentences, and I catch three words of it, and then he's back out doing something else. Because that happened almost every time they were here. I back out. And I missed that. So, was there another one? Or is that it? Yep, there is one more. Last one. Again, we wanted to make things, we wanted to take it to our community, take things to our community instead of expecting them to come to us. So we moved the trunk or treat from the parking lot to Main Street. Had the biggest year we've ever had, the most participation. We had more kids than we've ever had before. We loved our community well that night, even though the wind was blowing a thousand miles an hour. For those of you who don't live in North Dakota and are watching online, that's not an exaggeration. We finished up Thursday night with Christmas Eve. I'll be honest with you. About 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon, I was starting to get really nervous. I was like, I don't think he was going to show up. I, I, I don't know. People are traveling. Things are... We had an amazing... I, I, wasn't anything to do with me, so please understand I'm not tooting my own horn. We had an amazing Christmas Eve service. We had community members here that since I've been in church, they've been here, they've not been in church. There are many more. We had Surf Sunday in September where people went out and served in our community. There are, I know, individual stories of people serving that I don't know or I don't have access to. These are just a few things that God, I believe, has called us to. And we can set this stone in place to look back over our shoulder and say, this is where God was faithful. He called us to do that, and we were. And it should give us the confidence and the courage and the hope for the next thing. I, I wish what I could do is say 2021 is, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought... 2021, we'd be right back to normal. We'd just go right back to the third week of March. and But I don't think it's going to happen that way. Maybe something will change in the next few days. But I believe as a church, even in a crazy year, even in a difficult year, We have some things, some milestones, some stones to set to see where God was faithful, to remind us of what this past year has really been. So my question is, is maybe my challenge as well, is what is your personal points in your life this last year? Hectic crazy, nuts, or maybe not so much. But where can you look back over your shoulder and see God was faithful? Where He was working, where He called you to do something, and maybe it was completely outside of your realm of comfort. Maybe it was outside of your wheelhouse 
of knowledge. God says, this is what I want you to do. You went, okay, God, you're calling me to this. I've got confidence because I know you've, done, you've been faithful in the past. I'm going to step into this. What are those things? What's your Ebenezer? My challenge for you as we close out, you've got a few days left of 2020, is to sit down with, with your a pen and paper, your tablet, your phone, something. And write down some of those events, some of those places where God was faithful to you in 2020, those places where you can look back so that when 2021 rolls in, and no matter what it brings, We can pray that things just fall back into normal. Or it may be, maybe 2021 makes 2020 look like a pussycat. We don't know. But you can look back and say, I remember in all the tumultuous times and all the difficult times and the hard times, God was faithful. Because I believe that we need those times to be able to look back and build confidence and courage. So that's my challenge for you this week. We have one more song. I'm going to pray. Worship team's going to come back up. But I do. I, 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 I encourage you to do this this year. More than any other year. Maybe you don't write down some of the things and but I don't want you to forget where God's faithful to you. He's been faithful. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Next week, first Sunday of the year, got a word, one word for the year. Prayer's still important, but we're switching gears. We're moving into a new year. Father, we love you. God, but that pales in comparison to what the love that you showed for us. God, I pray that uh, as we prepare for the new year, God, I pray that we will take the time, carve out some time to see where you've been faithful to us this year to make note, to write it down so that in those hard times that are coming up, God, we can look back and see your faithfulness. We love you, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen.